much for joining us for day four of this tremendous adventure. I'm, uh, I'm pleased to see you back, and uh, I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation today. Um, as always, special thanks to Basecamp and Stripe uh, as our, our 2020 headline uh, partners. We really appreciate um, working with them. Uh, today, our topic, we're going to run for about 25 or 30 minutes, and our topic today was suggested in MicroConf Connect. It was a question from a MicroConf Connect user, and he asked about um, funding options to weather this downturn. And he didn't just mean raising angel funding, trying to raise VC, the traditional paths, but was, uh, as we got into the conversation, actually talked about, you know, what would taking on some debt look like, lines of credit, that type of stuff. So. I brought uh, an expert in sales and and fundraising uh, onto the show. Um, the man to my right is Anar Volset. Many of you may have heard him on Startups for the Rest of Us. He's been on a few times, and you may know him as the co-founder of Tiny Seed. Anar, you want to say hi to the MicroConf on air folks? Yes, hi. Once I've turned off mute button, at least, how's it going? Yeah, I know. I, I muted myself too. So yeah, Anar's joining us from uh, shelter in place, Santa Cruz. And although I'm, I'm in Minneapolis, we do not have a shelter in place order, but um, we are kind yes. of just living like we are anyways. You know, I, I, I go to the post office once a week to drop a, sh a package off. I went to the grocery store yesterday, but aside from that, um, th there was a lot of on the shelf at Costco. I was really surprised. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think the supply chains are necessarily that you know, that messed up, you know, at least yet. Yeah. Yeah. So Anar is, um, as I mentioned, he's my co-founder with Tiny Seed. He and I met years ago through MicroConf. He's been a, a bunch of my, uh, MicroConfs. Every time I ask him how many, he says the maximum number that have been held, even though I know that's not totally <laughs> true, but that's that's his joke. He, he got a PhD from in computer science um, out in the UK. He taught at Cornell, uh, taught some computer science, and then left that... Um, Glory. Oh, no, I guess you did Y Combinator in 2009. So that was before the computer science, uh, the PhD. Is that right? No, no, after. No, no, no. I finished the Cornell in 2007. Got it. So you left the glorious world of academics to uh, to join Y Combinator and start a startup. To, yeah, to slum it with the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, today we're going to dive into this question from Landon Bennett. But first, I have a joke. It's, it wouldn't be microconf without some type of joke, right? So I, it's just Monday morning levity or Monday afternoon levity. I promise I won't do this every day, but a scientist accidentally turned himself invisible. He was worried, so he went to his doctor. Unfortunately, she couldn't see him that day. Not it. Um, it's a crowd where there's, <laughs> there's no one on the other it's end so responding. Bad. It's so bad. It, it oh really is. So... Oh uh, <laughs> All right, so we have uphill from here. So the question in MicroConf Connect, if you're not in microconfconnect.com uh, and you're a founder or aspiring, you can head there to join. It's our Slack group. We have hundreds and hundreds of folks that are in there. We had 1,200 who we've sent out invitations. If you uh, haven't gotten your invitation, check your spam, email support at microconf.com. And we have a channel in there called MicroConf On Air where people can ask questions. So Landon Bennett asked a question last week. He said, I'm super interested to hear about what other founders are thinking about in terms of funding to weather this downturn, downturn we're entering into. Was thinking this might also be a great talk for MicroConf On Air, which is why we're doing it here, as I'm sure a bunch of founders are thinking about this right now. 
So I came back to him and I said, look, are you thinking of raising angel funding or venture? Because right now things are slowing down, if not at a standstill. Um, so going out and trying to raise funding is not going to be ideal. So what, what were you thinking? And, and then he added some, some uh, flavor to it. He said, I figured it would be harder to raise, but I'd bet there are a number of entrepreneurs that are wanting to add a little cushion as we go through this downturn, especially those that have employees. We're in a good, we are, Landon, are in a good financial situation, but we want to make sure we plan for a recession that may last a while, for example, 12 months. I've talked to a bunch of founders that are looking at everything from VC to angel to loans. And so today, over the next 20 minutes, uh, Anar and I are going to dig into the options that we're seeing and where many of them are. So I believe I have seven or eight bullets here. And I kind of want to, uh, you know, it's th it's things you've all heard of, right? Like friends and family, angels, venture capital. Um, we also talk about, we're going to talk about pipe.com. We're going to talk about SBA loans because there's there's a program that's either coming together or it has come together. ANR is a lot more up to speed on that than I am. So um, that sound good? Perfect. All right. So let's dig in. So friends and family, angels, and VCs, what's your take on trying to start if you're if you're not you know close to closing a round today and trying to raise a round from those three uh, entities? Let's kind of group them all together. What, what's your take on that? Oh, you broke up a bit there, but uh, <clears throat> my my view on on those kind of uh, on friends and family and angels is um, I, I think that's pretty much frozen solid as a market unless. Um, unless you already have sort of handshakes and, and soft commits and that sort of a thing in in the bag already, um, you know there are still I still still think there's some option, but certainly it is a completely different you know narrative than um, than you know even just three months ago. I think um, the, the sort of one exception to it is if you happen to be in an industry where you're seeing a huge amount of growth because of this. Um, I can see some angels being interested in supporting things. So if you're if you're a Zoom competitor or you know so anything to do with remote work or you know hand sanitized custom hand sanitizer manufacturing or something like that, then friends and families you know might still work. But I think right now the the sense that I get from most investors and certainly sort of non professional investors is that um, it, everyone is sort of in a wait and see um, you know wait and see mode. I mean the the, the Federal Reserve just today. Uh, announced that they basically have unlimited money to print, um, and and you know you would think that after the markets closed down four or five percent on Friday, when the Fed says we'll give you unlimited liquidity and we'll start buying you know corporate bonds, that the market would hold up. But but at least as of an hour ago, it was still down four or five percent. And directly, the that that people like angels have to invest. So unlike say a traditional venture capital fund, which has you know they'll feel some strain too. To potentially in the short term, I think angels are seeing available capital invest in startups shrink thirty percent in a month. They're definitely going to pull back, right? And because that's when the stock market drops like this. If you're talking to a, a person that doesn't have an, a fund they've raised prior, like venture capitalists go out to limited partners, they raise the money, and then they deploy that over many years. They they're able to invest right now. But as you've said, if it's your uncle or if it's just an angel um, who has lost 30% of, you know, of, of their net worth in the recent market crash, um, that's going to be a much, much tougher sell. So I, I'm, I'm with you in that boat. I think that those buckets are, are going to be tough tough to raise from yeah um, yeah and I think I think even even sort of traditional venture capital like I don't I think you know publicly everyone will be saying like you know we're still open for business never done so many deals blah 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 
and certainly that was the 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 sort of tone about a week ago i still think you'll end up in a scenario in, in sort of the, even for the committed funds that they'll sort of look at their portfolio look at the amount of you know dry powder they have and they they particularly because people are talking that it could be a 12 18 month recession a lot of them will want to reserve potentially more capital uh, for their sort of existing investments than than you know necessarily wanting to get you know get into to, to more companies. I think, I think um, the way you'll see that is people will, will never admit to that, of course, because deal flow is alpha and omega in the venture capital world. But what will happen is. Um, uh, all of a sudden, everything takes a lot longer. All of a sudden, the you know the doc, the guy could turn around the term sheet in in a day. All of a sudden, it takes a month, and now he has a due diligence to do, and he wants a couple more reference calls. And so, I think I think even that is is right now at least, and and for at least uh, the next month or two, I, I would say it's extremely challenging, even against existing venture capitalists, unless you're in this like like I said, Zoom bucket. <laughs> right. Right. Kind of an exception. Um, yeah. yeah so. And that's that's the thing is like venture capitalists don't have I'm not sure what the motivation would be at this point to rush deals through, because I think a lot of us are in a wait and see position. Right. It's like I think just in general like that, yeah. in life. It's yeah. It's like we don't know what like are my kids going to go back to school in two weeks or not? I don't know yet. I'm kind of waiting and yeah. seeing on that. So I'm not making any big even personal or business commitments right now for the next two, three months, because I don't know if my kids are going to be home until the summer. You know, so you can imagine someone exactly. with millions of dollars to invest it's like why would you risk that and, and push that out you know quickly um i think but there, there are other options right i mean we've kind of said those those are going to be tough but there's funding there's this revenue-based financing right it's st stuff like lighter capital SaaS capital bigfoot capital there's i don't know 20 30 others um what's your take on on how well yeah, at least yeah what's your take on uh on that space if you have any any info or, or on you know on how how it would be to try to raise uh, revenue-based financing right now so I worry about that as well, um, simply because these are credit markets. And so so I think <clears throat> like a lot of the revenue based financing guys, they're looking, you know, they're they're You have to have a certain amount of money. So I think for most of the revenue based financing sh shops, you're not going to be able to tap into that even in good times unless you're doing a half a million a year. So so that is pretty much closed to most sort of bootstrappy independent SaaS companies anyway. I think there are, I think big, is it Bigfoot that goes down to 15K a month? So would that be just under 200K ARR? But I think they're on, yeah, the, they're on I the think two, yeah. I think 250 is like, is like the very lower limit, I think. And I think they're likely to up that just because a lot of the time what these guys do is that they, they basically have giant spreadsheets with their uh, preferred risk model and they predict a certain amount of growth, right? And it's like, okay, I take the growth. This is how I make my money back. Now, if you're, um, if you're in a very uncertain scenario, they're likely to want to put in bigger buffers on that. And so the available credit limit's going to be, uh, it's just, I think it's just going to be lower. I could, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm by no means a, a, an expert on revenue-based financing, but that's my, that's my hunch. I also, I mean, um, revenue-based financing, at least the big shops are tied much more into the, uh, the, the securitization markets and sort of the, the actual credit markets backing this stuff. And that one is like the credit markets. And this is essentially why the U.S. Fed is just saying they have unlimited money to buy things like high yield, high yield bonds, which effectively is corporate debt. Right. And, and, and that's because um, the, the credit markets and the public markets have been seizing up almost completely. And you, you, you can tell and without getting too much too nerdy, you can tell that by looking at what's called the spread uh, between 
what's considered safe, which would be treasuries, the, the, the yield you get on treasuries versus the yield you get on, on corporate bonds. And that's been spiking, um, unlike anything we've seen since 2008. Right. So until that settles down, even again, these revenue-based financing folks have raised a big fund. So they, they should theoretically have dry powder to spend. So it's not like they need to go out and get it. But the prudent but. approach right now right is to is well to be... well there's that there's that too and like most of the time in, in, in credit markets you don't it's not like equity markets necessarily or or you know it's more like they may have raised say they if they say they have a 500 million dollar fund they may actually only have 100 million and the other 400 million are uh are, are securitized and bring in from other credit lines um okay. so so that that might be under strain as we speak but i haven't heard anything specific Right. Okay. So verdicts out on that one. And I'm guessing it's going to be player to player. You know, again, if there are 20, 30, 50 of these, it's going to be, well, there's two things, right? One, you can contact a lot of them, but, but two, there's, there's going to be a supply and demand thing coming up, which is what you're saying, where like everyone's going to be coming looking for cash. A lot of founders are going to suddenly realize, have the same realization that Landon did. And suddenly they're going to get flooded, you know, with requests. And so, as you said, they can raise their, um, the minimums, they can raise the bar of what they will loan out. They can, they can do a lot of things, right? And, and it's just a typical supply and demand business. There's another option that's just coming online. I don't know if they've, if they've actually lent money to this point, but it's pipe.com. And you may have heard Jordan uh, Gall mention it. He's the first one that I heard about it from. But it's basically, if you have monthly customers, your SaaS with recurring, they will pay you out the um, the full year as if the customer paid you annually. And you literally, they, it links into your Stripe dashboard and you literally can like check them off, uh, check off customers and, and they'll get sent to pipe.com and they write you a check for the full annual that they would pay you minus 15% expecting them to make it to not churn right and so um if they churn then you have to like replace them with another customer in essence so all it is is it's it's taking your full annual payment even though the customer is not paying that did i describe <laughs> that was a little bit confusing but basically you can turn monthly no, customers no, into sense. annual yeah and pipe.com will pay you minus that fifth fee um again i don't even know if these guys are online yet and without knowing if they raised a fund or if they're going to credit markets it's kind of hard yeah. to know right and i i have to imagine they're getting inundated coming on the market right now of course yeah and i i, I haven't actually uh, I, I i spoke to jordan briefly about it but <clears throat> i mean that's like um, uh, there's nothing new under the sun as it were i think that's similar to invoice financing in the more traditional markets and it, yes and again i think factoring, all those things are right? you know factoring i think all those things are going to be under strain um but I, again i could be wrong it could literally be that what the fed is doing is pumping in so much money into the into the credit markets that that this is readily available which we would hope yeah which also carries with it a danger because remember when the Fed pumped a bunch of money into the credit markets after 9-11 and then the, yeah. we arrived at 2008, you know, 2009. I mean, that was one of the big causes of the Great Recession, right? Is cash so cheap and people were using it to buy so many houses. Um, well, I mean, you look at look, look at that. I just watched The Big Short the other day, actually, and uh, one of my favorite mm -hmm. movies. Um, uh, and actually, you, you should you should also keep a look on uh, the fact that the government's currently buying mortgage-backed securities. It's the only ones wanting to buy mortgage-backed securities. So they're providing super low interest rates and actually backing the mortgage-backed buying the mortgage-backed securities off the brokers. So it's not long here. If it keeps going too long, pretty much the government will own all the mortgages in the U.S. <laughs> oh. That's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's, I actually want to come back to that if we have time, but um, 
<laughs> okay, how about someone else threw out like, what about traditional debt? What about if they have a credit card with a $35,000 limit or two or three credit cards like that? What if they have a line of an existing line of credit from a bank, whatever that's secured, you know, by whether it's their house or whatever? Um, yep. Do I think the, the big question is, do you think, I mean, there was threat of in the 2009, the Great Recession, I don't know if it happened, but I remember there being like lines of credit where you had a hundred grand in, in available credit and then they froze it. So you couldn't take any more money out. So I've heard some yeah. people saying, well, think, think about drawing some of that credit out now, some of that, you know, the, the cash out to hold on the sidelines. What's your, what's your take on that? If you definitely absolutely need the money, I would do it. Um, just because, yeah, like a draw hold, which is what it's called. I, I don't, I suspect if things get real bad, that, that might happen. Um, it's still expensive because you're not essentially you're because you're not going to be making any money holding the cash. You're going to be paying whatever the interest rate is on just to hold it as a cash cushion. Um, right. But I but I think you know I think that's prudent if you're if you know you're definitely going to need it in the short term. Um, and I think in terms of credit cards, it, it's a similar thing. I had I had something something similar happen to me. When was that? That might have been around 2008 um, when I was you know. I had some cash flow issues at the time and then I was just working my way up on my Amex and I knew I was going to get paid in like a month and a half so I, I wasn't worried about it but then all of a sudden Amex says oh yeah we've changed your credit limit to one dollar more than your current limit so they effectively Ouch. yanked the credit from without I mean and they do that without notice right obviously because yep. yep. otherwise you spend on it but one thing I did hear um, specifically as it relates to Amex is that if you call them up they will defer payments for up to two months currently got it and there's, so there's a lot of folks. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of, there's airlines letting you change tickets with no change fees. There's hotels letting you cancel. <laughs> you know, there's a lot Shocking. of that going on now. I know. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll see how long, how long that lasts and all that stuff. But yep. last bullet I had here is these SBA loans. And this is not your, the traditional SBA loan stuff that we have seen over the years, which I think most of us wouldn't okay. consider. They're trying to a bunch of money businesses because they don't want there to be this, you know, I mean, I've seen estimates of 40% of brick and mortar, mom and pop owned brick and mortars going out of business in the next two months or something. I don't know if those are accurate, but they, they want to keep happening. So can you, can you talk us through what you've learned about the SBA options? Sure. So there's, there's basically, uh, so the way I understand this is that there's basically been so far been um, two relief bills passed by Congress. And in one of the first two, two of them already passed, well, two already passed and the third one they're working on um, in the in one of the first two they passed this called FFCRA and I have no idea what it stands for but it's basically um, an SBA loan it does have a, a personal guarantee and you can borrow at, at, a, at a pretty cheap rate I think it's 3% or 3.25% or something like that and it's basically by SBA banks um, but it's gu guaranteed by the government and, and it, you know at first blush I think it's, it's quite an appeal um, accepting the personal guarantee, I think it's quite an appealing. One thing I would caution is that um, in, in the politicians over uh, the pass of the third relief bill, which sort of got clogged up in the Senate Sunday, and in there, there's, I don't know exactly what it's called, but um, there is uh, there is more beneficial relief from some, from some of these companies, and I think the story you can borrow up to two, two and a half times trailing uh, 12 months payroll uh, and as a loan gu guaranteed by the government and it's a reasonably long payback time and I think there's there's 
often talk about, and I haven't actually read the bill, talk about if you don't let people go during this period, the government effectively uh, forgives your loan after a certain amount of time. That's my, my wow. understanding. Wow, it's, that's crazy. I mean, they're pumping money. Because, I mean, yeah. look, on <laughs> on Thursday, the, 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 new, the unemployment numbers come out, and usually that's about 200,000. And they're expecting it to be anywhere from 700,000 to 2 million. Which is yeah, pretty crazy. That's, that's pretty bleak. And the, and the yeah. gamble at this point is how long does that how long does that last? You know, what is next month's? Is it multiple months of a million or is it one month and it just winds up being a V-shape versus a crater in essence, right? Is what, what we're Yeah, I think I mean I right think now. like yeah, I mean the banks that's the analysts they seem to to fall over themselves to try to figure out come up with the most bearish GDP estimate. I mean, the first one, like Goldman came out about a week ago and said, oh, we think it'll be you know, roughly zero Q1 and then maybe down 8% and then roaring back in Q2 and Q3. <laughs> I heard Goldman was saying it was going to be minus 9 this quarter, minus 24 in Q2, which is the biggest drop in GDP in the history of the United States, I think. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll see. And this is the thing, like, there's so much uncertainty. And like, Mm -hmm. The most concerning thing I've seen is the fact that the Fed seems almost impotent in terms of turning the markets around. <laughs> you know, all this stimulus stuff should be putting a floor on things, and it, it just doesn't seem to be, at least not yet. I, I just think it, there's so much fear. Be. You know, it's they can stimulate all they want, but until people know if their kids are going to go back to school, if, if the business down the street is going to open, like that uncertainty, I think, is just in everyone's everyday life. I went to, like I said at the top of the show, Costco yesterday. I have not been inside a Costco in well over a year, but I was driving back from somewhere and, you know, we needed some, some staples and I figured out, get some, some canned food and, and, you know, whatever else, fresh food. And it was, it, it was fine. It was, it, the, the shelves were all stocked. There was nothing, nothing missing, but it was this, this, there was a feeling of stress. Everyone around was just in a hurry. People were staying away from each other. You know, it was this odd, air around us that we all know we're in a place where stuff could be transmitted i don't know it's just our day-to-day -day lives are just at we're all at just a higher level of stress and i think uh traders and banks and and you know the everyday americans with money invested in the stock market are are feeling that same way and so i don't think I when i hear that the fed is pumping money in i know that long term that will help but i'm personally not thinking that that's going to turn the stock market around this week you know it, it just no it, i mean the Fed can really only do something on the on the supply side, right? They can supply cash, print money, essentially. Versus this is also a combined, you know, potentially supply shock, which is what they're trying to to take care of, but also a demand shock, because, you know, I don't care what the what the you know price of jet fuel is. I'm not about to go jetting around the world currently. Sure. So yeah. So yeah, and and to your point, like on the sense of feeling, I feel like you know, since this really took off two three weeks ago, I feel my brain's been complete mush. And my, mm -hmm. I'm probably using about 20% of normal brain capacity on, on mm -hmm. you know, non-coronavirus related stuff. So, and I think yep. everyone is sort of feeling that way. It's, it's super yep. stressful for everyone. I think a lot of us, yeah, a lot of us feel that way. How about, you know, someone else threw a, a question in that thread and they said, um, what, what does it look like? This is less related to founders raising, but they said, what does it look like for a fund to try to raise right now? Like how, um, how, you know, what, what should, should we be? Yeah. Should tiny seed raise our fund too right now? It's kind of the thing. Um, uh, no, I think is the answer. I mean, the, the size fund we're going for a 35 to 50 million is typically filled in by family offices. Family offices are, are like, you know, big angel investors mostly. 
and and you know i think the main the main they're a little bit more sophisticated usually and actually one of the main problems other than the fact that you know I think a lot of these family offices are worried about things like should i be escaping to new zealand uh you know or what what about uh, how what do i do with my kids around the house all the time versus trying to have new conversations with uh, with with emerging venture capitalists so so i'm pretty much putting that on ice until you know at least towards the end of april um because i think that's challenging too and, and actually one of the things that is sort of unique as it comes to, to to funds is that all these family offices they have a um allocation right so they have some bonds they have some stocks they have some emerging markets they have some this they have some that and all the stuff that's priced in real time goes down in value versus venture capital holdings if they already have some that stays uh that doesn't get repriced as quickly so all of a sudden where before you said okay i want 10 percent venture capital if the market goes down 50 percent, all of a sudden you have 20% venture capital, which is way, way more than you wanted. <laughs> so, so if, yep. if anything, like it's 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 even more challenging because of the the sort of illiquidity of the or, or the, the the lack of real time price to venture. Yep. Cool. Um, there was one comment from Ken Wallace in MicroConf Connect chat room. He says, "Also, please let folks know that U.S. federally funded student loans have waived interest accrual for the next 60 days. Plus, they are giving folks the option to defer for at least two months at zero percent interest. It's technically a forbearance. I just got an email about it this morning. So, thanks for yeah. that, Ken. Also, the uh, and apparently they moved uh, the tax filing date to the 15th of July without penalty. I saw that." Days. Which yeah, nice. That's... I can take the my tax bill and and earn that sweet sweet zero percent interest. Right, right. Which is something I, um, I always file late anyways with an extension. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that 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 helps this year. I don't have to file that. Um, question from YouTube channel by Qubit. Uh, they're from the YouTube chat. Xander posted it. He says, "What mic stand is that?" So a little bit of a meta, meta question. <laughs> Essentially, I went to Amazon per per Craig Hewitt. From Castos, his recommendation, I got the Audio-Technica ATR2100. I believe that's what my mic is called. And there was a package on Amazon that was like 90 bucks, and it was the stand and the holder and all the stuff. So I don't particularly know what the stand is, if it was put together by you know a third party or if Audio-Technica actually supported it. But that's where we are with that. We have no other questions in the chat, and we're wrapping up, sir. Thank you so much for taking uh, 30 minutes out of your day to come hang with us on MicroConf on air. Sure. This will be my this will be my productive part of my day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually got something done here. So yeah, if folks want to if done. folks want to keep up with you um, on Twitter, you're at Anar Volset and Xander. Maybe if, uh, producer Xander. Maybe if we have that bottom, uh, what's it called, lower third, so folks can see how his name is spelled. It's just his first and last name crunched together. Interesting tweets coming from him now and again, and I mean now all the know. time, of course. <laughs> just freaking out about the markets. Ah, ah. Totally. So tomorrow, um, Craig Hewitt of Casto. Speaking of Craig, he's going to be joining me on the show. He's going to be answering questions about his MicroConf Europe talk. The title of that talk was Staying on Top of Your SaaS Metrics, Knowing What to Measure and What Not to, to Help Maintain Sustainable Growth. And if you go to our MicroConf YouTube channel, you can just go to YouTube, search for MicroConf. It is now live and um, watch that talk tonight or in the morning. And I will see you here same time, same place for a conversation with Craig about everything you talked about in that talk, as well as uh, any other questions.